Karnov, the fire-breathing Russian, is seeking the lost treasure of Babylon. He runs, swims, jumps, climbs, and flies through nine levels of gameplay. Welcome to Nostalgia, a chronological exploration of every NES game released in North America. I'm Mike. I'm Sean. And I'm Joe. And welcome to 1988, guys. Are you voting for Bush or Dukakis? <laughs> wow, love it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> there might be a few coughs on this episode. Yeah, it was, I, uh, I, was like, uh, I just gave Joe like the nastiest yeah, it was like, like such a, a dirty look. We had this cough. rule. We had this agreed <laughs> no upon coughing. rule. Nobody was going to cough in the 1988 episodes. <laughs> yeah. I think Sam's coughed a lot in the last few episodes. I'm I thought serious. I earned a cough. Yeah, okay, well, first I just want to address that Sean is the worst defender when it comes to coughing, so that's, I don't that's cough true, yeah, ever. Yeah, it's true. Never cough. Uh, write in with who you think is the worst cougher, <laughs> listeners. Uh, Wait, and, ever, should we all give a cough, maybe in the no, post-show? No, And it doesn't really matter if you're voting Scared. for Bush or Dukakis, because we know where the Donnie Darko family stands on that matter. That's true. It's a that's very uh, great kitchen scene uh, where, um, what does the little girl say? She goes, what's a... How do you oh, suck yeah. a fuck? Yeah, yeah, you can't say that on the air. Uh, We're on the air. How do you suck a beep? Oh yeah, all 1988 episodes are live, but on a frequency that we're not giving out. So if you want to yeah. just like tune through, if you live in the tri-state yeah. area and want to just go through every yeah. single frequency, they're live uh, for us at, while we're recording. Yeah, yeah, that's how you'll know. Uh, all right, that's enough silliness. Let's get into Karnov, uh, a game made by Data East, mm-hmm. uh, and unfortunately, an attempt at a mascot character here, if you can believe it. Uh, did you guys get that sense from Karnoff that like he was destined for bigger things? <laughs> no, I didn't. Uh, I did read that he was supposed to be the mascot, and I also read that he's in other games. Oh, so he's like, in yeah. yeah well, don't I'm worry, sure we'll you know, we always that, but, do that. But, but yeah, I don't know if a mascot status was uh, I, I first do, in my mind. I do like it when these third-party developers try and make one for themselves, like try to force force it to happen. Like I remember on the Super NES, I played a game called. Arrow the Acrobat. Yes. I feel like that was supposed to be something. Absolutely. That's like, a, you know, yeah, it's like a Crash Bandicoot Rayman kind of thing. Yeah. You're like, oh, this is our platforming star. And that's, I guess, like, Carnival mm. just seems like a very weird choice. Uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, this game, it puts you in the bulging-muscled, fire-breathing, <laughs> East Russian, ex-circus, strongman Karnov as you go on a quest through nine different levels to search for the ultimate treasure, the lost treasure of Babylon. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, uh, Sean, maybe give me a little more than that. What, what, is like a, what is a normal gameplay loop like in Karnov? You walk to the right, <laughs> jump, and shoot fireballs at enemies um, until you get to the point on the right where there is a boss that you fight pretty much the same way. Until the boss, you actually were describing Super Mario Brothers, right? I mean, like, you shoot the fireballs with the fire flower. So I could, I could I think, see that. I think the biggest difference is that in this game, you probably want to mostly always be shooting the fireballs. Yeah. Like, there's just enemies coming a lot. Yeah. Uh, and, and another important thing to note about walking to the right, uh, you just reminded me that, like, there's only one game so far that moved to the left, right? And that was Sky Kid. What about Metroid? Oh, Metroid yeah. Is, Metroid, yeah. you just well, move you wherever. wherever. Yeah, yeah, that's an exploration game. Why I'm talking about, did like... did you move? That, no, also, uh, 
um, Kung Fu, there was a full level where you. Could oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You right. would actually move to the right left and then to the right and then to the yeah. left. You were well, like that a was spatial awareness. Yeah, you were just going up a zigzag <laughs> yeah, staircase. Just... Anyway, I think it's time for first impressions. Uh, Sean, walk me through your first thoughts as you played the legendary Data East uh, arcade mascot character Karnov. <laughs> My first impression uh, was when I was reading through the manual and I it sort of dawned on me that most games of this time, I think the stories are are generated by a game of Mad Libs that the developers create because I think if you take out all of the proper nouns, this could be any game's premise. <laughs> and I I don't know, like the, the game itself, it's 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 uh it seemed to be what a what a side-scrolling platformer wanted to be, but you know, I started to play it some more and had more developed opinions later. Sure. And Joe, I mean, my first thought was that he was a he was a very interesting character. You know, definitely definitely unique as far as game characters that we've had before. Um, but yeah, as playing it, my initial thought was. That out of the gate, I wasn't crazy about the way it controlled, but yeah, I mean, yeah, with with a character named Jinbarov Karnovsky, you know, you really can't. You know, I'm my first impression was like, what even is this on a North American platform in, in 1988? Like, this is so like Russian focused and right. like. It really isn't, though. It's, it's just, just a him, guy. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I, I guess what I mean is even the design of the character is just something that, like, to oh, me, yes. would have just been off-putting to to the American audience at yeah. that time. And then you you follow it up with, like, he just kind of, like, shoots these fire... He just animates these fireballs in front of him. Like, where yeah. are they coming yeah, well, yeah. from? Like, his stomach, his mouth? I think mouth, it's his like, mouth stomach. It's just very confusing. They do describe it, actually, now that I look at it in the manual. It, it's fire breathing, so it yeah. is his mouth. But, like, it doesn't look like that in the no. game. And, I don't know, I think that's just a weird choice. This is a strong man. I would almost expect, like, you're going to do some hand-to-hand combat yeah. stuff, you know? I was expecting more of a beat-em-up game with a with a character like Karnoff. So that, my first impression is this game really threw me off in terms of what I was looking for based on, like, the manual and everything, and then what I actually got in the game. Do we yeah. do we think though, going back to uh, the context in which this game was released? You know, it's now 1988. We're nearing the end of the Cold War. Um, do you think that this was Data East's attempt to broker peace between East and West? <laughs> uh, I'm gonna take. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that the Japanese didn't care. Oh, okay. You know what <laughs> they, was happening. They were trying like, to, yeah. They were trying to get involved, and you really, you really don't. Okay. No, no, I know. I, I, I get it. <laughs> Karnoff was definitely uh, one of the like brokering pieces between Reagan and Gorbachev in, in getting the wall down. <laughs> and on top of that, uh, Karnoff started as an arcade game first, and the you know there there there's some minor differences that I think we should talk about right off the bat. And that is that Karnov in the arcade version is a coin-eating game because you die in just one hit in the arcade version. I can't imagine playing that game. Yeah, it's like anything that comes close to touching you, any projectiles, and you're just this defenseless guy. Anything that comes at you, one hit, you're dead. I played through the arcade version, and while the graphics are definitely nicer as always, you know, we've come to expect this in the arcade versions, there, there wasn't too much of a difference between how gameplay functions... Uh, that I actually think the NES version is a competent port, and I think that the addition of getting two hits instead of one hit is is a big upgrade 
for the NES. So I, I, I imagine a lot of fans of Karnov in the arcade, if that existed, uh, then when they, <laughs> when they got their NES version, they probably weren't like, you know, hardcore about it and being like, oh, this isn't Karnov. Real Karnov is only one hit, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. sometimes you get people who like complain about difficulties yeah. in games and it's like, oh, there's a, there's a mode where Yoshi will just fly you across the map. Like, why would you want to play that Mario game? And it's like, I don't know. It's like, it's not for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, um, I, I also find it funny that even the home console version in Japan had it worse off because they didn't have unlimited continues. Yes. Mm-hmm. And and so so we got... We got the hand-holding. We got the, the, the most the hand-holding. Which, I, which I'm like, happy with. W- whether or not you, you think that that's too much, like, it's still really hard. This is a really hard game. It It's, it's really hard to just try and not get hit half yeah. the time. Yeah. The, some, uh, a lot of times projectiles, especially during some boss battles, I'm sure we'll get into later, but, like, projectiles are coming at you... In like formation where I look back yeah. at it and I'm like, how could I have gotten around that? There was nowhere it, for me to go. And it happens so slow that yeah. you just have you just to watch, watch your you impending doom die. come yeah. towards yourself. So, so let's get into the gameplay. And the first thing I just want to talk about is the control of Karnov the character. Control is something we always care a lot about. How you jump, how you move, how the stage functions and stuff like that. For me, this was... Uh, apparent within the first 10 seconds of gameplay that this game was not going to be something I was going to fall in love with just because of the way Karnov controls in in very specific instances. With ledges, Mm -hmm. he does that thing where like if you just walk off the ledge, even a nanometer off the ledge, you have to forcefully watch an animation of him just falling down to the edge. Whereas if you would have jumped, you can watch a fluid jump animation. I think the and jump's control pretty him. good. And control him the entire time. What's up with the inclusion of this ledge fall thing? I'm not sure. This seems like a relic of of much older games where um, I, I guess it's it's punishing you for not being as intentional as you should be. <laughs> uh, but other than that, I have no idea why it's still in these games. Yeah, I think that... it. It's weird that, it, like you said, that when you're jumping, you can control that. But I also don't think the jumping is much better anyways. But, yeah, like you said, if the if the, if you can control yourself falling while you're in the jump, why would... It's almost intentional that you can't control yourself when you fall off a ledge, which doesn't really make any sense. Right. And uh, yeah. the, the jumping just overall, though, falling, jumping, anything is just so floaty and slow to me that that, that was more frustrating to me. I found the jumping to actually be a positive side for the rest of the gameplay because because it was floaty. I really appreciated that because this is a game that mostly relies on dodging uh, attacks because enemies take multiple hits to, mm-hmm. to get through them. And so, yeah, you're always spamming your fire button, but you need to make sure that you can dodge the enemy's attacks. And so having a more precise dodge, say something from like an Ice Climbers or a uh, Spelunker even had like a weird jump, having something that was only like a few frames would have would have had me spamming both buttons all the time. Oh, you see, yeah, like and, a faster jump. Right, having a faster jump okay. instead of a less... Okay. I kind of appreciated so, the fact that they had a floaty jump going I, on. I guess the reason that it still bothered me was there, I, there were a few instances, several instances, where there was some enemy higher up or, or, or just above me in some way, and I tried to jump to avoid one attack, and I could see another attack above, but you can't... As soon as you press that jump button... You are going in the, the slow elevator ride up to the top of your arc no matter what. And, like, I would run into things up there that I didn't want to... I couldn't dodge because I because I couldn't control the height of the jump. And it was so slow that I was just, like, up there for so long that things could shoot me. Like, I, I, I ran into that more than one time. 
And and that kind of comes down to enemy placement, though, in general, right? Now, now, do we think... I, I have a couple more thoughts on, on movement itself. Sure, sure. Um, but my complaints are more with... Uh, like, again, I think that I agree with, with Mike on the uh, fact that jumping itself feels all right. Um, but I think that um, when it comes to hit detection, in terms of where you're jumping to, um, it's terrible. It, you, it's it's really hard to tell what's a thing you can jump on and what's a situation in which you're not going to clip correctly and therefore land on a platform. Um, I think that uh, ladders, which you end up using a lot, are super sticky too, um, where you would think that you'd be able to jump off of a ladder, but you can't. Yeah, and there's sometimes I feel like you can't get to the top. You can't get to the, you can. well, if you, you top. If you can't get to the top, it means that you've hit the top of the screen, I think. Uh, <laughs> um, right, because Karnov needs to stand on the right, top of yeah. the ladder, so they, they won't cut him off. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I just wanted to expand a bit more on, on yeah, movement. Yeah. And I mean, since we're talking about movement in depth, we also have the duck uh, yes. in this game uh, as another form of cover. Uh, but it's not really a duck. He, he kind of just takes just a like, knee, yeah, right? Like, <laughs> he gets like a little bit, like a pixel lower. On it's sort of like ducking. I mean, if I ducked, I'd probably just go down to that level. Except I wouldn't have as big of a, of like a six pack. Yeah, and, and it's weird because the, the enemies in the game are, are all sorts of weird stuff too. I mean, we have sword-wielding monks, dinosaurs, uh, hopping fishmen, gargoyles, yeah. tree monsters, you name it. They're, they're in this game. But they also are mostly projectile-based characters, too. Yeah. And and that just seems like a strange it, choice of, like... It was really stupid when, you know, there's the there's the water level. And then I see what looks like a piece of seaweed. And then it shoots a fireball. Like, everything shoots fireballs, whether it's a, a lion tamer <laughs> or a piece of seaweed. I, I I don't get the the design in that aspect at all. <laughs> yeah, again, another thing I think would have benefited from like even just having a couple characters that just like walk from enter stage right, leave stage left. You know, it's like yeah. just having things that are more like I'm not constantly trying to dodge. It almost felt like a shmup platform. Yeah, yeah every, right. Yeah. Like every encounter is like a shootout. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I saw a strategy online, which I guess I kind of use subconsciously, anyways. That anytime an enemy appears. So we'll just walk to the other end of the screen so you can shoot at him without getting anywhere near. Like, you might as well just Oh, the projectiles, walk. your projectiles will carry that far? <clears throat> yeah. I mean, as long as they're... I guess I didn't really yeah. test it. I, I I stayed a middle distance from every single thing in the game. I stayed at a distance that felt comfortable, so this way I could anticipate. Because some of them are throwing, a, a, you know, objects as large as boulders at you. Yes. And so you have to kind of be... You can't be, like, up in your face with them because they're yeah. going to no, take you those are the words. on a hit. So you have that. But then also at the same time, like... You don't want to, I feel like you don't want to leave yourself unguarded from a second attack. So that's why I kind of like like being in the middle of any particular stage because the screen scrolls with you. So I like being in the middle. So this way I had like kind of complete coverage. Yeah. Again, like schmuck mentality yeah. of like my blind spots. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, the game is uh, the game is punishing at first to to people who try to rush through it. Uh, you do have to take down like every single enemy as as they come up. You really there's a, there's there's certainly some examples of enemies you can skip. You know, if you're on a different platform from them, you don't have to deal with them for the most part. But for the for a good majority of the game, you're kind of just like walking, encountering an obstacle, getting over the obstacle, and then you know. 
there's these fun moments where like you know use your power-ups to solve this puzzle thing and it's like this is not a puzzle like this is like you either (laughs) have that power-up or you don't yeah so speaking of the enemies i think we should talk about enemy placement since that was such a big thing that we left a note of on 87 and so something i'd like to kind of follow up with in 88 not that like this game wouldn't ha- take any cues from 87 games. It's pretty much <laughs> right. just going to be an 87 game at this early on point. But is, is this a good example of a game that uh, strategically places the enemies? It, it seems like they are in locations. Yeah. I'd say it is an example, but I wouldn't say it's a good example. Yeah. It, it's definitely putting putting them in places on purpose, but I wouldn't say that it is the 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 optimal placement. Yeah. It's a step up. It doesn't feel like you can easily strategize. Like, okay, not strategize, but just like learn. Like this is when this enemy comes and just get like the muscle memory of it. It's more just feels like just shoot everything as fast as you can. Yeah. Yeah. And, and when you have like, when you have a gargoyle to deal with, that seems like uh, enemy placement works more in that favor because that's a relatively still enemy in mm-hmm. the game. But then you have like those ostrich skeleton warrior thing. You know, it's like a, a skeleton <laughs> riding an ostrich mm-hmm. and it like oh. runs across the screen. Yeah. Like those things, it's it's almost like, you know, don't even bother thinking about how you're going to place them if you're just it's going just... to have them enter as soon as the screen scrolls their their existence, you know, because yeah. then it's it's not timed to anything. So it's just more like. Oh, we hit that specific spot in the stage level, so just make just send the enemies right. in. Yeah, it's it's more like they're placing spawn points where it if you don't you don't defeat a screen, it it just you have to get through it before they respawn. Right? Yeah, yeah, that, are, that, that yeah. is true. There are even those those gold statue men that just appear. You'll be on a screen and it'll appear like right yeah. in front of you. It seemed like a random moment, no warning, and then if you don't beat them in like a second they turn into like something else but if you die if you die you will realize that they actually are spawning in the same place it's just poorly placed it's just there's no way it's it's where you are it's like they almost you know imagine in the arcade version if there's only one hit you just get hit because you happen to be where an enemy spawned right yeah i don't think that that sounds fair there was a there, there was a uh segment in the game where it's just i think it's not a secret because it's just a bunch of K marks, which I guess we'll get into <laughs> later. Um, but you go, I go down into this little uh, cave thing, and I walk past a point, and then the I, the the guy where the gold guy that we're talking about, he looks like something out of out of Earthbound for some reason in my head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and you're uh, thinking of those like silver UFO guys. Yeah, I think. yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, so I I pass the point, and then he spawns behind you, and then it's a dead end on the other side, and so I think it's just there to be a trap. Yeah. Because you can't I, escape yeah, it. I ran into that exact same thing. Yeah. I mean, you can kill it, but it's just it's you're, you really have to be ready for <laughs> yeah. it. It and and it's it's clever game design when you're warned about these kind of things and you're also like seeing these things commonly placed and learning from your mistakes. It's not clever game design when it's like all of a sudden this one thing happened to me this one time yeah. and now it's like There's no rules. I got to it. yeah, there's no rules yeah. in Karnoff. Yeah, you yeah. just kind of like like we said the whole thing, even when you move between levels, and it's nice to get a water level and a flying level, but nothing changes in those stages enough that like makes it feel any different than what your task was for the rest of the game. Yeah. Right? Like I know in Half-Life to um, watch out for the the guys hanging from the ceiling because I've learned that 
if I go into like a dark, wet place and, and I can kind of hear some weird movement, like, oh, I should I should look up. But it would it would be different if they just sort of drop down from the sky whenever you were walking through a corridor. Like it's just not it doesn't feel like you're you're meeting a challenge and learning. It just feels like the developer wanted to fuck with you. <laughs> it's a great example. We haven't we haven't had really any sound cues yeah. in any of these yeah. NES games so far. I think That's that'll true. be an interesting thing to look out for. Because mm-hmm. that would have been good for the gold guys, you yeah. know, like to have almost this like oh no, you know, there's like, an alarm yeah, or something hear it coming. Yeah, something. but yeah. you know, the closest example I can think of is Kid Icarus had those Reaper characters that if they saw you, it would play a different music, and then other enemies would charge at you. It's not the same thing because it's not a a warning. But it is a warning now that that they've seen you. You're in danger. Yeah, yeah, you're in danger, right? I like that. Uh, So while we're talking about these swimming and flying stages, though, I think it's a little weird that you need the power-up for these things because it gives it to you immediately. So it's like... Why not just have always had that? Yeah. You know, if you can only yeah. use them in those stages to begin with, if you actually get, if you hack the game a little and get like, you know, like use a game genie or something like that and get the wings, they're actually not selectable in any other right. stage but the flying one, even if you have them. I feel like it was, it was just their attempt to make it like more immersive. Like, look at this I cool item right. you've got and that, well, how it helps you. But yeah, functionally... Instead of, yeah, it's like, here, we gave you this tool that you can use, and it's not just, like, this level's different. Right, right, you ha- right. You're using it. So without yeah. without getting further into the power-ups, though, when you got to the swimming stage, did anyone think that Karnov became a mermaid for, like, half a yeah, second? Yeah, it looks like he's got a mermaid tail, like, two mermaid A merman, merman I guess, but, yeah. like... <laughs> a merman! Yeah, merman. Um, but I think that... I, I, I don't know. Something about that was really funny to me, <laughs> and it, it was, was funny. less funny when he becomes, like, an angel in the flying <laughs> stage. I thought that know? was funny, too, actually, because it's just this big, bulky guy who just got these, like, angelic wings and he's floating around. Right, and that's when the game truly does become a shmup in, yeah. in certain regards, because <laughs> yeah. you are just shooting fireballs yeah, at they other things, shooting a fireballs in on us. Yeah, you know? they thought they can get away with it, but they're, <laughs> we we can detect shmups like nobody's <laughs> business. When when you get attacked in this game, if a hit registers, you turn blue, which signifies that you have one uh, bar of health left, if you will. To me. Not the best system to communicate like <laughs> danger or or this is your last shot. You'll know it as soon as it happens. Like you turn blue and then you die the next time you get hit. But why not just do a health bar with even just like two big blocks on the HP? Uh, you have that whole UI down there in the bottom. See, you're right. Um, but why clutter it more? I guess I'm maybe blue isn't the yeah, best blue color. Is weird. Um, You'd prefer him to bleed. I, I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I prefer a bloodied uh, Karnoff. Um, but it feels like they're trying to do something similar to Ghosts and Goblins, where you lose your armor on the first hit. Yeah, and that I like know, to which think it's also weird. No, but, I but love something that. visual, I think, is kind of. Cool I think we idea. talked about this on the Ghosts and Goblins episode. Yeah. That's a cool visual cue to be yeah. like, you are near death. Like you don't right. have your armor yeah. anymore. Blue and doesn't blue doesn't do anything. Make any sense, here's my head cannon. Um, I think that. Uh, when Karnov gets hit by something, he eats it, and the blue means that he's choking on the uh, projectile for the rest and of the level. For the rest of the level, and you know he's just he's losing oxygen. I thought That's he was just going to join the blue man group. Do we know if any of them are Russian? I think they're all. Russian spies. Okay, that's a theory for you to discuss on a later post show. 
Uh, <laughs> stick around for that. In the meantime, I think I think it is time now. We we need to talk about the power ups in the yes, game and that whole system. Voice. I was going to say that too. <laughs> <laughs> because if we don't talk about the power ups, we're doing this game uh, like a disservice, but also everyone who wants to play this game a disservice because they need to know how shitty these things really are. I'd like to start off with the user interface yes. of yeah. the power ups because. It was for a very long time confusing, and then uh, when I finally figured out what I was doing, it left me with a big why. Yeah, it was like more confusing as to like how someone could have come up with this idea. Well, Joe, do you want to walk us yeah. through how how it works? Yeah. So you obviously to move left and right, you use the left and right on the D pad, but Sounds also good. to select things on this this long menu of of items that you've collected. You use left and right on the D-pad. So if I'm trying to move over two, two to the left, I have to be walking to the left. And that, that's, that really sums it up. I mean, there's not so, much more to it. Now, you, you can select things while you're paused. Oh, um, you can. I didn't yes. know that. So, okay, so, you, so yes. you don't have to do the stutter step. Okay. However, um, I, I understand that there aren't a lot of inputs on this controller, so right. some things are going to have to do double duty. Yeah. Um, and you can't do context-based because we're not really at the point where that makes any sense. Um, but I think that this system would have been much more well-received if it just didn't take any uh, UI input until you were paused. Absolutely, yeah. my point. Because then if it's yeah. paused and you select something and then you unpause it, I can't walk or else, right? Yeah. You can't walk or else you'll select something else. Right. Exactly. But you you have to use it immediately. Oh, you can, you yeah. can choose to use it in the right. pause menu as well. So you can oh. select and use oh, in the pause okay. menu. You know, I did notice that you can, because I dropped a bomb by yeah. accident in the pause menu, but I never thought of functionally using that. Yeah. But I think, yeah, to Sean's point, it's such a better idea to, it should have never been turned on while you're actually yeah. playing the game, because it almost feels like a mistake. Like they couldn't yeah. figure out how to not program it to, <laughs> yeah. to function at all times. But the fact that you can pause, like let's say in front of an object that needs to be bombed, pause, select the bomb. Even even press the select button to have it register, and then as soon as you unpause, the bomb is there. That seems like a really effective That's way cool. to do yeah. like a a menu system yeah. for for items you've acquired. Just don't have the input be while you're walking. Yeah, and this and is and a I much did a better lot system. Of that stutter step thing, where I yeah. was like trying to select something, and then like, all right, I have to, as soon as I select it, I have to sh- be facing the way I want to face and shoot it. Yeah, which uh, it almost gets becomes like a math problem after a while. <laughs> But I think there's just also, outside of like that, that clunky user interface, there's just a lack of thought put into these power-ups in general. The latter seems more like a thing that was added on after they designed the game and said like, oh, you know, there's really no way to get up there. We, we should just give this guy a ladder. Like, I did think the ladder was, was silly at first, but like I actually, that was probably one of my more useful power-ups throughout the game. I thought you were going to say favorite power-up. <laughs> I thought it was one of the, everyone loves ladders. But like, you know, I thought it was way more useful than thought it would be one of the more useful right but i'm saying like do you don't you just think that instead they should have just had like multi-tiered platforms that you could jump from one to the other to get to higher platforms Sure, but like i i use the ladder in boss battles even to get to like their face level and to dodge items like i i did do that yeah (laughs) well you can still shoot when you're on the ladder right yeah you can still shoot that is useful uh, it, it's described in the manual as uh, use it as an option positioned in a high place or to avoid an enemy's attack. So it is right. kind of nudging you in that direction. I, I also just I just thought it was just silly and quirky and kind of funny. I don't mm-hmm. know. Was, I like quirky things in there when they function. And, <laughs> and then there's the boomerang, which to me just seems like, a, why would you want that? 
Apparently, it, they're really good for boss battles, but I wasn't having any luck with them. I think it's because they actually deal more attack power, but it, it, it throws one and you have to wait for it you to come back. You have to catch it. You have to catch it, right. Yeah. Which and, is and an interesting a, idea, but I just not executed that well because there aren't that many boomerangs again, in this you're game. You're probably also trying to like duck and weave through this boss battle. So by the time you want to use it again, you aren't selected anymore. It's not yeah. selected yeah. because you've been inputting left and right over and yeah. over. I feel like any extra power that it gives is kind of offset by the fact that then you have to pause and like, do, it again. Well, not even that, but you have to like do like a chore to get back to it that puts yeah. you in danger. Exactly. Where you're focusing on that and like you're you know I don't know. I'm sure if you're good at the game, you you, you can do it, but we're not. <laughs> or at least I'm not. Right. And and I didn't know what to call this one, but the manual refers to it as a clapper. Uh, it oh, like it the looks like bomb all thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks like a um like a like a ninja star here, yeah. but it, it flashes onto the screen and kills every single enemy on the screen at one time, except bosses. Cool, but like again, who's who's do? Where's this power coming from? Like, what is what is going on? Yeah. Like. The, the, the mouth-breathing fire thing is already enough of a stretch for me, but now there's, like, this item that's in the yeah. game that just summons, like, a yeah. one-hit, like, death right. thing, but doesn't work on boss enemies. <laughs> yeah. Like, Well, yeah. I mean, that, I, I get from a gameplay perspective why that wouldn't work on boss yeah. enemies. I'm not but, saying I'm immersed yeah. or anything yeah. <laughs> and that this broke my immersion, but... Uh, no, I, I, I will say that what is going on, what you just said kind of sums up a lot of what I was thinking while playing this game. It was very confusing, a lot of things in this game. What are the rules? Uh, <laughs> exactly. Also, the manual calls this next item glasses, but it's like a mask. Yeah, right? I think it's... Um, that, just, that just shows you uh, secret items, right? Yeah, it's actually... I think this is a great example of a power-up because yeah. it, it, the mask will actually blink on the UI when you're near, like, other hidden items or power-ups and stuff like that. And I think that, like... That's kind of a cool, like, metal detector style thing, you know? <laughs> I guess, yeah. I, I never used that. it. I didn't either. I, I didn't even notice it was doing that until I read the manual, and I was like, oh, I should probably be looking out for yeah. if it's blinking. But I guess if you've collected what you need... But it only blinks, though, when you have, like, your cursor on it, which you aren't really keeping track of. Right, right. And you can't keep track of it because it keeps moving yeah, through exactly. as, you're, as you're pressing the right uh, D-pad to keep moving on the stage. Uh, I won't go through everything, but I think we do need to talk about, as Sean mentioned earlier, those K's that are all over the screen, okay? What a stupid, stupid (laughs) idea of a collectible. You know, Mario collects coins, right? And that's like, that doesn't make any sense, right? Because it's the Mushroom Kingdom, and (laughs) do they even need currency in a world like this? right. But and coins are cool. It looks at like least. they thought about making it a, an item in the world. This doesn't even look like an item. It looks it's a square tile that just has a K. It just has a letter K. And why would Karnov just, like? Oh, naturally he would collect the letter K everywhere. It's sort of like in I forgot which shmup it was, but how all of the pickups yes. were just other yeah. letters. Oh, yeah, that and, was from shmup. Yeah, shmup the movie. <laughs> <laughs> and. It just seems like the art department got lazy if yeah. there was an it's art department. It's not even like a cutout K. It's like one square <laughs> tile. <laughs> I just, you know, there, there's not even a great incentive there because they're like, oh, for every 50 you collect, you get a, a life. And it's like, it's like there's why? unlimited continues, yeah. so it doesn't really matter to begin with. But also, like, 50 of those things littered all over the screen is yeah. like hell. It takes yeah. up it takes up a lot of real estate. It really uh you know we were joking about the immersion free. thing earlier but like it just seems so random that they're placed throughout the stage when there's like okay there's a pair of boots somewhere I buy it. Okay, <laughs> <Yeah>. wings, sure. <laughs> K 
K's everywhere? <laughs> like, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> Karnov, you know, after you've gotten through the nine stages, uh, the final boss is actually different than the arcade version. Uh, in the arcade, there's a dark wizard. Uh, that that's high, that's like the last thing of the treasure. I should also mention at this point that in the arcade, there is a map that you are collecting pieces through as you go to each stage to mm. get the map to the treasure. It's a very complicated story beat that probably wasn't necessary. <laughs> a story and, beat. Yeah, you know, like I don't think the NES needed that. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, the NES has like no story going no, on nothing here. At all. Nothing no at all. Clue what's going the on. manual just says you're collecting the lost treasure right. of Babylon. So you're not really sure what to expect as well, the final a, boss. It says that it's a dragon, doesn't it, in the manual? Not Okay, so thank you for mentioning that because not only does it say it's a dragon, it shows you a picture of the final <laughs> fight of the game in the manual very casually. It's not even like trying to be be like, oh, you know, like let's just sneak in an image of the final boss. It's actually just showing him and says, here you will encounter Ryu in a deep forest atop the mountain. Good luck. <laughs> So I guess the dragon's name is Ryu. It's kind of like a dragon snake like thing, but there are dragons in the thing that throughout the stages that follow you. Yeah. This one, there's like three windows in this in this mountain that he just <laughs> yeah. kind of like pops Pokes his head out. out. Yeah. <laughs> He's actually one of the like I don't know, easier he, he boss seemed, battles no, we've had for I, final boss. I didn't play the final boss, I will admit, but but watching it, it looks very underwhelming. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a head that, that's... Just whack-a-mole. Yeah, essentially whack-a-mole. Yeah. And, and as long as you stay in similar positions for when you know which window it's coming out of, he can only extend his head so far. Yeah, he so, just can't reach you. Right, he won't be able to reach you. So say he comes out of the left window, if you see his head, like, because first it kind of just like shadows out, just walk to the right, yeah. he shoots, let him he, come yeah. out, and then just shoot a couple fireballs He, he shoots out. one slow projectile. It's a very and, big ball yeah. of fire. And comparing that just to the to the clumps of projectiles some other bosses fought that were like almost unavoidable, just seems like clumps, this is like... Clumps, I like that. Yeah, it just seems like this is like a, such, an, such an easier battle. Yeah, and we were fighting dinosaurs yeah. as bosses at yeah, certain points. The whole points. dinosaur, not just its neck and head, like this, <laughs> this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know that this just seems strange, but even more strange is that even though this is a port, they chose to keep the same final boss stage design as the Dark Wizard. The Dark Wizard actually has those same three <laughs> windows. Even though they had to redesign it for the NES version, they chose to not change anything other than instead of a wizard, which was probably too much for them to program, they chose to just reuse an <laughs> asset of a dragon. It's too hard to program <laughs> a wizard. <laughs> you need to have a very high spell book to cast the Dark Wizard. I will say, though, I, I like Karnov's uh, strategy. Now that I'm thinking about it, no other hero just doesn't go into the room with the dragon. He just stands at the window yeah. and shoots him from <laughs> the window. True. Like, don't go in there. That's that's his turf. And is the is the dragon like guarding the treasure of Babylon? Who knows? I think so. The lost treasure. Well, we'll never know. We'll never know because <laughs> if you <laughs> if you defeat Ryu, the uh, the dragon boss at the end of the game, uh, you get a, you just get a congratulations the end screen and then some credits, but no closure yeah. on like you don't even get a mention yeah, of the treasure yeah. actually, so you don't know that you're right. trying to collect this treasure. So why so did the, the game, manual? The game told me I did a good job though. So <laughs> but why did you know, the just manual just why did the manual just set up the idea that like 
oh, you know, Karnov was hanging out in town, and all of a sudden, this dragon at the top of the mountain started casting down evil enemies, and it's your job to get to the top of the mountain and kill Ryu. The mystical yeah, dragon. Right. Like, exactly. You don't have to have any treasure. What is up with this treasure really. beat? <laughs> yeah. it, it, it is the, interesting. The, it really feels like a rushed, like they had to, they had to ship it, and they were like, oh, what can we do for the ending? And just Someone just got out their keyboard, and it was just, congratulations, <laughs> the end. I like to read it without punctuation, too. Congratulations, <laughs> the end. <laughs> like it's, just, like it's just really fast and rushed. We need to get out of here. Whereas in the arcade version, if you defeat the wizard, you will earn the final piece of the map and then be presented with a short ending where Karnov finds the treasure. So you don't even get to navigate the map? What no, is this? Right. There's no, like, uh, you can now play as Luigi. <laughs> there's no moment like that. Instead, it's just, now that you've collected all the pieces to the map, enjoy this cutscene where Karnov solves the problem that you were trying to do. There's only one track in the game, really. Now, there's there's a music change as early as the final boss. (laughs) The music changes. (laughs) That's true. Uh, But I think that the more iconic one is probably the one I've played by now in this episode. And it's so jolly. It's weird. And, like, free-spirited and, like... I don't get... This is why earlier I said that this was, like, a Mad Libs game. Because I don't understand what this circus performer has to do with all of these mythical creatures around him. Because... So, the setting of these mythical creatures infesting the land uh, is set to a circus track. It sounds like a circus song. Which makes sense because he used to be in the circus. But that, yeah, that (laughs) makes sense for him, not the setting of the game. Absolutely. (laughs) And also, like, you know, why not something more akin to, like, Tetris theme A? You know, like, like, (laughs) something more Russian, at least? I don't know. Uh, That's what I was expecting. Yeah. Or I was expecting maybe some, like, desert-style music. Like, Why the desert? Uh, the first level gave me vibes of like a desert, <laughs> <laughs> desert music. It does look you know, like, um, there's some there's some desert music in Super Mario Brothers three. Yeah, that is oh, good. It's great yeah, music. great desert. We should music. play that. We should play Super Mario Brothers three. Maybe we will on this podcast. Yeah, maybe a couple of years. Guys, Data East is trying to make a mascot here, and they have failed. Uh, well, so far, so far. What do we think about the the potential? Uh, pretend the game was good. What is the lifespan of Karnov, even if the game is good? Like, how how would he resonate? Like, would he would he be a master chief in, <laughs> in this early game development? Well, I guess the question is what what made Mario iconic in terms of his character design? 
Yeah, that's a good question. Do you think that Mario is? It's, do you think it's the design, or do you think it's the fact that he just happened to be in two really good games? I think before, it's, it's, it's got to be a combination of the two. I don't know. Is his design? I mean, his design is simple. I guess that's yeah. that's one of the main things. But I think if if, if Karnov was in a great game, he's kind of like quirky and interesting. I mean, I, that that might have some sticking power. I suppose. I think that there there's too it's it's too quirky to become a mascot because mascots are generally open-ended enough that they should be able to appeal to everyone yeah whereas there's a a russian (laughs) fire breather i I, it's just too much it's too much yeah and also just like mario you can put in like any situation in the Nintendo universe, and it and it makes sense. It's like cool. Mario's doing this now. He's throwing a party. Great. He's got. <laughs> he's racing carts. Cool. If Karnov's like, hey, come to Karnov party, right? <laughs> yeah. It all has that to sounds be like you call the police. Right? <laughs> it all has come to, to come Karnov to Karnov party. party. <laughs> it all has to be like under the setting though of like Russian yeah, so influence. Everything and, like, is just like, vodka. Does it though? There wasn't really any Russian stuff. In, I, right, there was yeah. zero Russian in this game aside yeah. from apparently yeah, You just have to him. says it in the manual. Yeah. I just, alright fine. You at least have to use like the world that you've created here. So like, you know, skeletons riding ostriches have to be like a normal <laughs> yeah. occurring thing. They have to be the Goombas. There's no rules. There's, again, there's just no rules. There's no rules. There's gremlins in this game too and it's like, okay, that maybe they're like the, you know, who is Ryu really an iconic? Is he a Bowser? You know, he's not. Like, like they made a lot. They didn't think a lot through this but again, like even Mickey Mouse, right? No video game. Like let's not worry about his video games right now. Just, just the mascot element of him. Is it the design or is it Steamboat Willie? Like, which one? I- well, considering that I feel like most people that like um, that like Mickey Mouse tangentially pro- may not have even seen Steamboat Willie. Well, I guess that's well, what I mean, though, point, is like though. what, what we're, started we're the I'm, talking about, I'm only talking about what started the mascotism, okay. not sure. like what made... Because yeah. now it's like Mario, Mickey I Mouse, see. Sonic. Yeah. Like, Sonic could make bad games for the next 20 years and probably will. But and like. Has. Yeah, and has already. <laughs> yeah, I also but it think doesn't matter because yeah. he's a, he's already a mascot. Like you yeah. can't take him away. Yeah, I also think. Sonic. I mean, it's it's that whole thing where I mean, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure Disney was setting out to make a mascot as well. So maybe partially Steamboat Willie, but then all the things that came afterwards. Sure. Like I don't remember. I don't know for sure, but was was Mickey Mouse designed as like a random character, and then they were like, oh, he's so popular. Let's let's put him in other things, or was it like he's our mascot? Let's put him in it. I think it was Steamboat Willie was such a big success because it also happened to like sync music to right. the the cartoon and that was like a big deal i guess at the time but also it's it's runtime and things too went for it because mickey mouse was in two cartoons before steamboat willie that like walt disney doesn't want you to know yeah uh plain <laughs> crazy and another one and jiminy's it, journal and kingdom hearts didn't tell me that in plain crazy uh he smokes a cigarette so oh, mickey mouse and he looks a little different he looks a little more like a mouse uh so <laughs> I definitely think that, you know, the design is important, absolutely, you know, and I'm sure that, like, a ton of research goes in as mascots continue. Like, yeah. Sonic the Hedgehog was probably much more thought of in terms of oh, yeah, design was, and look. Yeah, he was much than, more marketing focused. Yeah. Right, than, say, like, Mario was yeah. even. You know, like, yeah. Mario was probably more like, hey, look at this, we came up with this yeah. funny idea right. of, like, a Sonic Italian like, how plumber. Do we, how do we make this guy look as cool as possible? Right, know? and so it's amazing that it paid off, but you could say that, you know, a good game does matter even more because, you know, Crash Bandicoot ha- had a great... Like start out the gate with those first three games, 
and it's not like his mascot design is anything like amazing right. but yeah. you think of him now and like you know yeah. there's but like that, a, that's where i think that there are maybe almost like two roads too i mean granted like you said crash bandicoot just happened to be an amazing game that like got really popular but i think like there's the a simple overly relatable mascot like design wise and then there's a bandicoot who had heard of a bandicoot before crash bandicoot that's like, true too, i think yeah. that's part of it is there's like some intrigue uh, which I think they maybe missed the mark here, where it's like yeah. people have heard of Russian ex-circus fire-breathing people. I, it, it's <laughs> definitely a spectrum, though, because you've got the home runs like uh, like Super Mario, Mickey, and... Minecraft, so- Steve. And Sonic. Uh, <laughs> but then, then you have, in the middle, uh, I think that Crash Bandicoot is not a success story in terms of uh, a mascot. But it I- was forced for a while. Uh, but until like the remakes, nobody was really uh, I'll itching say, for a I new think that, Crash Bandicoot. I think that game. Crash Bandicoot easily could have been a mascot for longer. I think kind of Sony sort of just slowly stopped focusing on it. Maybe I think in its, I think you know in the the time of the or of the '90s Crash Bandicoot games. Crash was on on track to be the Sony mascot. They kind of like let go of. Yeah, them, we, like. we're derailing this uh, yeah, yeah, conversation, yeah, but I will say that like <clears throat> I actually think it was a very smart decision for Sony to stay out of the mascot race because it's not and, like thing. right and just to be like we actually have hundreds of games. yeah we just have yeah. good games Screw, yeah. yeah. But I was going to turn that into and then you have Karnov at the other end, which is like on this on the same level of Arrow the Acrobat, and I can't even think of the others, but. <laughs> Yeah, the the mascot idea is. It, I think it would be interesting to go into more when we run into more of these games. Maybe yeah. we'll have a better idea of what it means to be a mascot. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, we've only seen the first Castlevania game and the first Mega Man game, and I don't know if I would say that like those two are even necessarily like the mascots for their respective yeah uh, developers either. Kind They're just them, yeah. recognizable video game characters yeah. in Simon Belmont and Mega Man. But I don't know if like. I think Capcom would probably opt for like a Ryu over over Mega Man. Maybe. The future, however, is not kind to Karnov. Uh, they still they push him. For for a good while, I don't think as a mascot anymore. They might have arguably had some some more popular mascots in the future, but Karnov does stay in the Data East universe. <laughs> He's relegated uh, to being a basic enemy in a lot of future Data East games. A specific example being hundreds of Karnovs. What? Like, like he's just a uh, an enemy that has. Yeah, he's one. just an enemy that shows up in in games. Yeah, like not even true. like. Not like a boss, just not a like a boss, just like wow. yeah, yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but in Bad Dudes vs. Dragon Ninja, <laughs> which is a game, uh, Karnov is the level one boss. He's wow. the very first boss you fight in the game, and this version of Karnov is uh, not. Maybe it's like his son because this is Kusamochi Karnov, not to be confused with Jinbarov Karnovsky. Oh, son of Karnov. So a little different uh, Karnov there. Karnov is also the last opponent in the original Fighter's History, which is Data East's fighting game. You know, everybody needed their own. Yeah. So you had Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat, King of Fighters, Fatal Fury is also SNK. Yeah. Uh, but Fighter's History is Data East's fighting game. And Karnov is the final boss of the game. So that's pretty cool. That's like a big step up Good for job. him. 
and uh, he becomes a playable character in the sequels. In fact, the next game in the Fighter's History Saga, which would be Fighter's History 2, is actually called Karnov's Revenge. Wow. Just a game called Karnov's Revenge. What happened? They lost the Fighter's History thing. face heel turn. And and Karnov, uh, yeah, definitely looks evil in this game, too, and much bigger. I think they went for a um, Zangief. Yeah, they went for like a Zangief feel with uh, Zangief is from no, Street Fighter. No, I understand. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. I'm just looking at you. Uh, no, that's fine. You're just looking a little puzzled, and yeah. you're about to be very puzzled because I'm about to rope in a game called Karate Champ oh, into no. the sequels and spinoff section. Does everybody remember Karate Champ? I do. Karate we got yes, into a course. fight about how the best part of that game is the backgrounds. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> the backgrounds are pretty good. Uh, back in our 1986 days. Yeah, but you probably won't remember from Karate Champ is that after you got through a few fights, which are impossible to say anybody got through, but if you did get through a few fights, uh, you would be treated to a bonus round where you Flower would... Flower pot. No, not, not, the, not okay. the flower pots, though. Maybe that was a thing. That was I'm a thing. I'm thinking more yeah, they of the yeah. flower pots at you. I'm thinking of the bowls. Uh, there, there's a bowl in the game. You guys are thinking, I know what you're thinking of now. Urban Champion is the flower pots. Uh, no, they throw it from off screen. Yeah. Well, okay, maybe it is a bowl. Okay. It is a I piece thought you were of thinking of the windowsills no, in no. Urban Champion. I know Champion. what you're talking about. Yeah. But there's a bowl that you have to, like, wrangle in Karate <laughs> Champ. And. In Carnal's Revenge, that bowl. What the hell does actually, this mean? <laughs> that bowl appears as a secret boss. The bowl. The bowl. A secret a, boss. A secret boss. Oh. If you beat, if you beat the entire game on the normal setting without losing a round, you fight the a bowl. bowl yeah, like it's gigantic. Hold on, let me get this straight. <laughs> you, you fight a giant bowl, guys. I gotta show you the video afterwards, and I'll link it in the show notes for everybody else. I even set a reminder to make sure I do that. Because it is a crazy... He takes up half the screen. <laughs> He's gigantic. A bowl, like a, a ceramic bowl. No, no the bowl. bowl. The like bowl? With, with horns. Yeah, the ox, you know? Like <laughs> I don't the, remember the ox. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, good thing I have two videos. I have the bowl from the original Karate Champ and then the bowl from Tarnhauser Revenge. Bowl. Bowl. <laughs> yeah, you're saying <laughs> it the same way both time from both instances. Bowl. <laughs> Oh, this sounds like a barrel roll with Tom Green, and he's like, a barrel roll? <laughs> yes, uh, Sean, an ox, okay? <laughs> it looks like a bull to me, so I didn't want to say ox, because a lot of people on the internet say that it's an ox, and I don't agree with that. I think it's but a But I think bowl. Sean so thought bowl, you were saying a bull, not like a bowl. cereal. Not a bull. Like, no, not a bowl. <laughs> a bowl of cereal. A bull. Okay. Like, that, the thing that doesn't like red. I see. <laughs> That's not okay. true. Uh, that's not true. <laughs> Space Jam. Space Jam would have you believe otherwise. <laughs> All right. We're getting a little out there, but uh, unfortunately, Karnoff continues to appear in games, okay? <laughs> he appears in the alley background of the Neo Geo game Street Slam, which is a basketball game. You can you know it's him because he's wearing a shirt with the letter K on it. Oh no, <laughs> that's what he does K. with those K's. He makes that's shirts. What, yeah, he makes shirts out of them. Oh, he actually textiles. Just, he laminates them onto <laughs> yeah. his shirts. But uh, there's that, and then this is the last thing, and it's a stretch, and I almost didn't want to include it, but hey, we're at this point. Yeah. We're just talking in, about bulls right. and bulls for an hour. In Shantae and the Pirate's Curse. Okay, do you guys know about Shantae? <laughs> yeah, no. Okay. In Shantae and the Pirate's Curse, a ghostly silhouette who helps Shantae is highly similar to Karnov and is even implied to be her dead father. 
Okay. All right. Not true. All right. I'm going to link a video. You guys can make it up for yourself. But the only thing that they have in common is that Karnov talks about like fighting a gremlin. He and talks? Yeah. Well, sorry. I'm saying Karnov, but just like Shantae's oh, I see. father, who's dead, who's a ghost, talks about fighting gremlins and getting over a tree. And that's something that you do in the arcade game of Karnov. Uh, his theme music is also kind of similar to Karnov's theme music in in the game that we just made fun of and he has one line about a ladder and people are you know like what? it's oh, him it's gotta be he loves it's ladders him. karnov loves ladders <laughs> i'm with you buddy yeah so i think that's a stretch i'm gonna file that under conspiracy theories <laughs> not under confirmed facts but one one thing i forgot to mention because we got so caught up in the bowl thing is that in fighter's history he appears in all three games karnov that's the move set like if you watch these videos, that's the move set I would have liked to see in this game. You know, there yes, there's the fireball breathing, but that's like that's like a special move that he does. For the most part, he does some really cool like grappling things and punching and kicking that like that the NES game could have used that stuff, I think for sure. I think that uh that wasn't see, I see this game as um a direct follow up to Mega Man <laughs> as just like how you can get all those elements wrong. So you you know, Mega Man doesn't have any physical moves. It's it's just shooting stuff. So I like the, I, I just like that idea. I like that idea too because <laughs> we went over like a lot of rules in Mega Man and, yeah. and, and they followed them all, but they've done them all so poorly that it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Alright guys, I think with that in mind, it is now time for the essential games list. Okay, it's the first game of 1988, so it don't feel like you have to make this essential. I know you guys are feeling pretty strong about it. That's a relief. Uh, Joe, since you seem to be relieved <laughs> now, would you mind telling us how you feel about Karnov as an essential game? I don't have too much more to say. I don't think it's essential. But the biggest thing right away, barring it, is is the way it controls for me and the way the enemies come in and stuff. I mean, all the other stuff is kind of icing on the not essential cake. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, it wasn't the worst game we've played, I can say that. Great. And you know what? I'll take a slice of that cake while you're at it, <laughs> because I also think that this game is not essential, uh, mostly for the controls thing, but I, I think there's just a there's a lack of understanding in what could have made this game good from Data East, and this is now, like, I don't even know, the eighth or ninth game from them that we're just straight up rejecting. So they really need to, they just need to chill for a second and just think about it. Now, that gets into a whole conversation, of course, about whether game companies even care if the games are good or not at this point, as long as they sell, right? Like, if you're, if you're in a limited market where only a certain amount of games are coming out each month, you have a great amount of the share in, in what's available to anybody. So I'm sure a lot of it just went into, like, making sure that, like, the back of the box looked cool enough so that you would buy it. And then, then later, you know, like, were any kids taking note? Like, yeah. oh, I didn't like Karate Champ. Yeah, that from game Data sucked. East. I'm like, not going to oh, buy the next yeah. Data East game. I wonder yeah. how many people have thought about that because we don't have video game magazines yet either. But that's a whole other story. But I say, Data East, you're not getting away with this. We will remember <laughs> you. Sean? Um, yeah, I, you guys covered it pretty well. Uh, I think that this is just a... I, I don't think that there was any direct relationship because I think that the arcade game came out before Mega Man. But this is just like a shoddy Mega Man to me, uh, in terms of the tools are sort of like your power-ups in Mega Man and the the shoot-first 
nature of it. Um, it's just not a fun game to play. It's too hard for its own good. It's random. It's janky. It's not essential. And there you have it. Three votes as a no means that there's no way that Karnov is getting on the essential games list. That's going to mean that uh, Karnov will not be on the essential games list. And so we start off 1988 0 for 1. But next week we have Renegade, uh, which is made by Technos Japan. So maybe they'll give us something. Uh, any any uh, insights on that? I yeah. also hope it's good. Yeah, good. I hope it's good as well. Uh, and then we actually have another big game coming up for if you're looking in the forecast. Uh, two episodes from now, we have Contra, uh, which I'm sure a lot of our listeners are fans of. Personally, I've never played a Contra, so I'm excited. I just know the Vampire Weekend album, Contra. So I've aged myself out of this. What about the... Uh, what, what about the uh, anti-government forces in Nicaragua. Is that what Contra, the video game, is a reference to? Maybe. Cool. I'm excited to do some anti-stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I am anti-stuff. Uh, you've heard it here. Uh, if you have any thoughts on this episode, be sure to write to us on Twitter at NostalgiaCast. You can let me know all your thoughts and thoughts on future games. Uh, I'm Michael Esposito. You can find me on at Esposito Film on Twitter, and we'll talk to you soon. <laughs>